Hey everyone, welcome back to episode number 23 of the Daily Blend Show with me, Reed Daly. Today is Tuesday, March 9th, and this is the weekly rundown. So in this episode, we've got five stories that I thought were interesting, notable, or culturally significant. We start off the show talking about how Spotify wants to go hi-fi. Next, we talk about Twitter moving into a payment tier. Third, we talk about how internal podcasts can actually help boost remote employee engagement. Then we move on to how to be an effective networker and what are the five skills that you should master. And then we talk about data and how VCs and other investments are are really starting to use this uh, from a vetting standpoint and how you can too. As always, you can get this episode and all other previous episodes on such great platforms as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, dailyblend.com. With all that said... Let's jump into the show. So our first story comes in from Spotify offering an ultra hi-fi premium uh, tier to their payment uh, tier options. So if you're familiar with Tidal, uh, they have a similar uh, experience. And if you've ever listened to lossless files or just played CDs or vinyl, it's going to be more comparable to that sound. For your average listener, it's not going to be a massive change, but for those that are really audiophiles, you're really going to love it. And what I think you're really seeing more than anything is that Spotify is looking to um, you know, charge users for incremental amounts of, of better experience. They're going to likely roll out some sort of paid podcasting tier or audio and visual kind of combination tier, and they're really priming the user to uh, pay a little more for a subscription. Now, when you start to think about things like Disney Plus going from maybe $12 up to, say, $20 is the latest rumor, and then you start looking at, you know, Spotify and you add your storage, I mean, you know, the average consumer is up to, you know, roughly $50 a month of cloud storage. So at some point, there'll be a threshold where people say, you know what, I'm good. But, uh, you know, I think as Spotify uh, continues to add features, I think people will pay a few dollars more, especially if they're stuck at home, they want better quality audio, there's nothing else to do, might as well have, you know, better sounding speakers. And, uh, you know, if you're not spending all this money on gas, put it towards Spotify, I guess. So our second story in a similar fashion is talking about another software company that is adding a payment tier. Uh, The difference with Spotify is they've already charged consumers and now Twitter is actually exploring a payment tier. And this is really interesting for Twitter, who for all intents and purposes has been free or, or mostly free to many, if not all users. And they're exploring the idea that, you know, you can have a tier so individuals can subscribe and get exclusive content. You know, the best uh, platform that I can think of that mimics this is sort of Twitch, where, you know, you can watch and listen uh, to someone and uh, you can subscribe for a few dollars a month and you get, you know, additional alerts, you get additional information, access to uh, unique content. And one would assume they would do something very similar to this with uh, Twitter. And, you know, I think it's a smart move for Twitter, right? They've, uh, they've largely uh, operated as a free platform for anyone and haven't really done a lot to monetize uh, from a content creator standpoint. And I think this will allow Twitter to move from just, you know, tweets to a really a multimedia platform, which unfortunately is really the world we're living in, where all these platforms are really converging into audio, video, and uh, freeform text. 
I think, you know, Twitter has long tried to fight the good fight where they were only, what, 120-something characters, and even that has gone by the wayside. So it seems only right that uh, they're going to, you know, explore this as an option for their content creators. And really, it's about attracting more content creators to their platform. It's less likely about the consumer. Obviously, they want to monetize uh, this experience and get their cut, but they're really trying to make it so that more content creators will come to the platform and as a result, more end users will follow. Story number three comes in from Fast Company. They're talking about how internal podcasts can help boost remote employee engagement. And so I've been talking to customers and friends and peers about this for a number of years and really think that audio podcasts inside of an organization can be as effective as external ones. And, you know, I think the best example of this is the fact that, I, you know, from what I've been told, Accenture CEO says, I no longer want to send, you know, long out, drawn out, corporate sounding email blast. I'd rather record it in an audio uh, clip and disseminate that throughout the organization. And I think from a technology standpoint, many, not all organizations have really moved to a, a cloud hosting environment, either through Microsoft, Google, whatever, um, that they're able to disseminate audio and in some cases video in a pretty seamless manner uh, through their intranet. And I, I really think that, you know, companies like Clubhouse, who uh, are, are really bringing people together and sort of getting rid of the video fatigue is just a prime example of how this could be successful at corporate uh, entities. And I think if uh, organizations start to look at it from like lessons of leadership, fireside chats, monthly updates, even like sort of more stock things like onboarding or, you know, a quarterly rundown of just sort of a checklist or recognitions, which is probably less of a, a routine thing. Um, those things are really ways that, you know, individuals can consume content on the go. And, you know, I, I always, you know, question when people are like, you know, why would I want to listen to something like this on the move? Well, you know, if you're like me, you're working from, you know, when your eyes open to your eyes close and you have very limited time to sit and read a bunch of, you know, long-winded uh, corporate emails. But if you're going for a run, walking around, going to the grocery store, you can have your phone with you and sort of listen to these things. And I think it would be a meaningful and in a strong way to communicate and kind of engage with employees. And, uh, you know, I hope that more organizations are starting to explore this in 2021. So our next story comes in from Entrepreneur Magazine talking about the five things that are required to mastering effective networking. And I thought this was just an interesting story that got surfaced to me, and I'm not sure what caused it, uh, but happy to see it in my Google feed. And sort of I, I dove into it. And John, uh, who's the author of the article, you notice I didn't try to uh, butcher his last name, but I will link to it in the show notes and on dailyblend.com, really talks about five things that everyone needs to do to be uh, successful. The first is planning. The second is active listening. The third, strategic questioning. The fourth, focusing. And the fifth, adding value. And I thought this was just an interesting uh, time 
to start thinking about this because we're a year into COVID. And while all signs are saying that the vaccine is coming sooner than we had expected, my guess is that most corporate companies will restrict or heavily restrict uh, travel in 2021. And so it's reading articles like this and taking a different approach across various social channels. So whatever your favorite one is, LinkedIn, email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse. I don't care what the platform is, but you need to take tactics and be you know, organized and strategic in the way in which you go about trying to network with folks. And this can be either looking for a new job. This could be, you know, just trying to expand your network. This could be helping you, you know, expand your knowledge base. But you need to really think about applying a framework uh, and finding the right channel for, you know, that works for you. And, you know, I would also say, you know, building some templates to help sort of streamline the process. And, uh, you know, it's very important that, you know, you carve out a little bit of time to network with people and be a little more intentful or do more planning, if you will, because we don't have these events where you're organically going to meet people. And so it takes a little more time. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing I would say is no matter how much time you put into it, make sure whomever you're connecting with, you're bringing them value either directly on the phone or, you know, through the chat or afterwards through connections or insights or information, always bring value and it will pay back 10x. So our fifth story comes in from TechCrunch on Storm Ventures. And what they're talking about is the team uh, there, mostly the ones that are focused on the B2B enterprise startup space. Um, So our fifth story comes in from TechCrunch talking about Storm Ventures. And really the article is highlighting the fact that they've promoted two partners, but more importantly, it's really talking about how they're using the social graph to capture data points and look for triggers or evaluation criteria for deal review. And, you know, I think this is really interesting in that they're using the social graph essentially to do due diligence. And, you know, these things are readily available in the public domain, and you can go out and pull these down from Google and other services and uh, pull them into, you know, visual uh, solutions like a Tableau Public. There are others out there, but that's the easiest one, and start to look at building your own algorithms. Now, Storm Ventures, I'm sure, has a much more complex algorithm where they're bouncing you know, social graph information with their own proprietary algorithm, with their own proprietary information. But it really leads you to start thinking about how can you use data and data and insights to drive decision-making and pattern building. And if you go to our fourth story, you know, where we're talking about networking, can you take sort of a, you know, algorithm approach to networking and almost do a combination of lead scoring and sort of you know, looking at trends and data to help you decide where to focus your networking or your business growth area. If you've listened to my show before, you know that there are often not five stories. And so I want to take the time to talk about the thing that just hit the the web that I'm probably the most excited about, and that is Beatport DJ. And so if you're less familiar with Beatport, it is like the iTunes for DJs and electronic music. They've been around for forever. They're my go-to shop for 
downloading music, and now they have a streaming tier where you can stream music and play it through various DJ controllers and setups. Recently, they've launched a web-based application uh, that you can go to by heading to beatport.com and they'll link you to their DJ app. It works in Chrome browser and you have access to their repository of uh, music. You have sort of a left channel and a right channel with the high, mid, and low DJ setup, volume controls, crossfaders, cue points, effects, pretty much anything that you would expect from a modern DJ platform. What the idea of it is, is to introduce DJs to equipment who are not used to a digital software. And then for those who are like me and use a digital DJing software, um, that gives them an opportunity to do a better prep job. So what I used to have to do from a workflow perspective, and I'm just geeking out here a little bit, is you'd go into Beatport, you'd you know add songs to playlists then you'd have to activate record box in my case that's just the digital dj platform i use log in and then you sort of go through your music and see how it sounds together in this way you sort of merge your workflows uh, and you take the two different applications and you do your prep work and playlist management in one platform and i, I think this will be really cool for people who have never dj'd before and for those who are like me who dj a lot and um, want a, just a more efficient workflow. This really achieves this and it makes it really fun. And I did all my prep work and then later that night logged into my account and hooked it up to my DJ gear and I was off to the races. So go check out beatport.com and uh, let me know what you think. All right, so that wraps it up for episode 23 of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, you can find Daily Blend at Twitter and Instagram and at dailyblend.com. You can find me at Reed Daily. That's R-E-E-D-D-A-I-L-E-Y. So spelled different and the front name and the back name uh, on, I don't know if I said back name, first name and last name, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe this show. Become our best friend on every platform. You know the drill. With all that said, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and see you guys next episode.